You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, good morning. It's so good to be back with you after a couple weeks off. So I'm ready for Monday. I don't know about all of you, but no, really, it's really good to be here with you. And I'm so thankful for Brett and Eric, who spoke the last two weeks, did a fantastic job, didn't they? Can we just say thank you to both those two men? So good, so convicting. All right, so if Monday was a movie, I want you to fill in the blank, I would describe it like this. Go ahead. If Monday was a movie, tell the person next to you, what would you say about it? If you're sitting at home, maybe text a friend right now. If Monday was a movie, here's how I would describe it. Go ahead, ready? Go ahead. A drama? I think that is the number one thing I heard across the room right now. Long and boring? If Monday was a movie, would it be full of excitement, anticipation, action? Would it be full of heartache? Would it be full of uh, snooze buttons? You know, be like waking up first, Bueller's Day off or something? Like, would it be, wake, like, what would Monday look like and feel like? And I still feel like, as we're coming to the end of this series, maybe I haven't convinced some of you that you were made for Mondays, and that's okay. I get the feeling this will take some time. There are a number of people... <laughs> who did feel encouraged, challenged, and impacted by this series in one way or another. There's more stories than I have time to capture, but I thought I'd share a few of these with you quickly. So uh, without going into the details, uh, one person brought their adult child with us, and um, they just sat through a service, one of our services, and just said, it felt like that preacher was talking to me the whole time, like they were looking right at me the whole time and concluded, it's time for me to get back to work. This person had been through some difficult experiences, been through some trauma, and so we're just thankful that these services had a chance to motivate and encourage them to get back in and see what God could do. Another person wrote and said, I'm absolutely loving this series. Eric's message yesterday helped me focus that my story should not be written with me as the main character. It's humbling, but true. Every day I get the chance to honor God, be his servant, and love others. Simple thought, but complex and challenging to continually execute and exemplify. So just want to say thanks on behalf of that person, that they were moved and encouraged. And then this one was one of my favorite ones says, I have wanted to email you for the last couple of weeks, just letting you know how happy I am about this series. Hopefully others will start to see Monday how I have seen them for a long time. When coworkers would comment that it's Friday, I would reply and say, happy T-G-I-A-M. When asked what it stands for, I would tell them, thank God it's almost Monday. <laughs> then on Monday, I would make sure to make the rounds and comment to those around me, happy Monday, everyone. Best day of the week. This whole thing started out as a joke, but I also wondered why when you wake, when you work, sorry, at a job that you supposedly love doing, then you come in grumpy and act like you're being put out to be here. Then, over the years, after repeatedly saying it over and over and over, now the majority know my favorite day is Monday, and they actually have to say to me, happy Monday, best day of the week when they see me. So, most of the time it's said sarcastically, but I just smile at them and gleefully reply, now you get it. So... If perhaps you have some sort of made-for-Monday story, we just want to capture those stories. Uh, as always, we use the same phone prompt, 317-565-4911, and you can just text 
the word stories to that number and just tell us maybe in some way that God encouraged you, inspired you. What happens when you text that number as we send you a form and you just fill out the form? Some way that God is moving in you, growing in you. There were a number of other stories people told me about. They actually went to their boss and said, hey, I've not been giving you my best and I'm convicted that I need to do better and how their boss responded. And so there was just a number of those and want to share them all. But if you have one, we'd love to hear it. All right, there we go. So let's go ahead and jump into our final in the series. And this is coming from a really hard but important text. We're going to open up to the book of Ecclesiastes. And you can't get into heaven unless you can spell it. And no autocorrect. No, I'm joking. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, before we get into the book of Ecclesiastes, I want to give you a little bit of perspective on the book. The book was written by a gentleman named Solomon. Solomon is known as the wisest man, apart from Jesus, who ever walked the earth. God gave him special insight into the world. But Ecclesiastes is his depressing book. It's like after Solomon looked into all of the wisdom of the world, he realized how futile life really is, as he calls it, under the sun. In other words, every day. He realized that we work, we work, we work, and yet it doesn't always do or produce for us what we want it to do. And so he has some repeating phrases in the book of Ecclesiastes, something like, uh, life is but a mist, it's a vapor. It's here one minute, and it's gone the next. And so therefore, you should eat and drink and be merry, because that is your lot in life under the sun. You kind of get this perspective that this guy um, is going through a very difficult season. He's very depressed. He's sad. He's down. Perhaps he wrote it on a Monday. I don't know exactly what's happening there. But that's perspective as we get into this because there is still so much wisdom in the book. When you understand where the book is coming from, you can start to apply some of its wisdom to you better. Anytime you read your Bible, don't grab a verse and build your life around it. Grab the whole thing and build your life around it because we are supposed to read it in context of who the author is and what they're trying to say. That's why I don't love Facebook for Bible stuff today because they grab a verse and they throw it out there and it's like, that's not what that verse means. But you read it on somebody's Facebook page, so therefore go storm the gates of hell. That's not what that was telling you to do. That verse didn't mean that. All right, now let's jump into Ecclesiastes chapter three and we're gonna look at some of this. We want time for all of it. But verse one, Solomon, this wise king, writes this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. I have a theory about Monday and work and weekends and rest and vacation and life and family and fun and how all of those things fit together. And here it is. It's very simple. If you don't accept the season that you're in, then you will be constantly frustrated by what life is bringing you. I'm gonna say that one again. If you don't accept the season that you're in, then you will be constantly frustrated by what life is bringing you. So, quick question. What season am I in? Part of the reason we hate Mondays is because we don't accept Mondays as the beginning of something great. And we didn't accept Friday and Saturday and Sunday as part of the thing that gets us ready for Monday. So therefore, we live Monday to Friday around three or four or five, depending on when you leave work on Friday, 
so that we can enjoy what really is life, which is Saturday and Sunday, but we fill up our Saturdays and Sundays with sports and activities and go, 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 and shopping, and I go to yard work, and I get the house clean, I gotta, 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 da, 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 and then we're tired, and then we start all over, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going. And then something happens, something crazy, right? Somebody gets sick with COVID. I don't have time for COVID. Who has time for COVID? Or your car breaks. Or you and your spouse have a fight. Anybody in here ever fight with their spouse? Don't raise your hand, it's okay. Your kids act out. Or all of a sudden you gotta drive to grandma and grandpa's house to deal with a thing. Or your friend needs you. Or uh, uh, something happens, catastrophic, and there just wasn't enough money in the bank. And all of a sudden you feel the weight of it and you're, you're really frustrated. And the reason you're frustrated is because I can't do everything I want to do and deal with this new thing. What would happen if we just accepted that maybe, just maybe, I'm in a different season than I was in? This might be a season for your organization, might be a season for your small group, might be a season for your family, might be a season for your church, but I'm in a season and now I have to figure out what do I do with this current season that I'm in? Let's take a look at what Solomon says next. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse two. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, don't miss this one, and a time to uproot. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn and a time to dance. Does this sound familiar to anybody yet? To every season. Nobody's gonna join me. You're just gonna make me do this all by myself. Peter Seeger wrote the song, Turn, Turn, Turn. Originally was sold to some folk band and then later to the birds who popularized it. It was a number one hit with roughly a 3,000 year old history. And the reason that he wrote the song is because he was mad at his producers who kept coming to him and saying, we can't do any more of these war songs. They don't sell, nobody's buying into them. They're hard to follow. And he's like, that's all I know how to write. And they're like, well, you gotta give us something else. So we pulled some notes out of his pocket. He had just happened to be reading Ecclesiastes chapter three. He wrote down these verses. He added a little tag on it, turn, turn, turn. It was kind of a, mm, take that one, guys. He sent it back to them thinking that they would hate it. And instead they loved it, sold it to this folk band, later resold it to the birds and became wildly popular. And many of you have heard it today. Some of you don't know the song, you should go look it up. But it basically takes these exact words because these are timeless truths for us. There is a season for everything under the sun. We have to accept the season that we're in. And Solomon keeps going. There's a time to scatter stones. There's a time to gather them. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. All right. So what about you? 
Did any of those particular times that Solomon mentions in Ecclesiastes 3 jump out at you for your life and your family? Because if you're going to find yourself living as a, a person who's on mission from God, you're going to have to seize the season that you're in. You're going to have to accept this might not be the season for whatever that is. It might be time to accept I'm in a different season right now. And here's the thing. You must seize your season. Because at the end of the day, your season is going to seize you. And most of our frustration comes nowadays because we look on social media and we see somebody else on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, and they're laughing and cutting it up with their family, or they're going on vacation over here, or they're doing this thing, and it's just not where we are, and we're angry, and we're frustrated, and we shake our fist at God, or we complain to it about others, or we look at our job, or we look at our job description, we look at the company, and we get really frustrated. Why aren't you giving me more money? Why aren't you giving me more of this? I feel isolated and alone. Doesn't anybody care? Nobody looks out for me, and maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's you fighting against the season that you're in. Recently, I was talking with a friend and was going through some familial struggle and was just seeking some wisdom. And I was like, look, just why don't you, and I find myself saying this a lot to people in our church when I get a chance to talk to them, why don't you just call your boss and just tell them, here's what's going on in my personal life. And I'm sorry, I have got to give some time and some effort into this thing. I have got to slow down for a second because I'm just making something up right now. My, my, my spouse has breast cancer. I, I've got to take a, a little bit away from work right now because I need to pour into my kids. My, my daughter's really struggling at school. I need to back off a little or I need to switch my days up. I've got to come in two hours early because uh, I can't stay late anymore because in the vast majority of the time, when you go to your leadership and you tell them, this is the season that I'm in, it won't last forever, but for just right now, I really need to do this. The vast, vast majority of the time, they are going to support you. And I realize some of you are in places where that's not the case. And I'm so sorry. I would hope by now we'd be in a better place in America where we would actually look out for and care for each other and understand that life happens outside the workplace. But when you work hard on a regular basis and Monday isn't just a thing you do, then you are often given the grace necessary to seize whatever season you're in to do whatever needs to be done. Give yourself permission to be faithful to God and whatever he is asking you to do and to trust him to take care of all those other things. There was a season in my life, and for some of you who went through that season, it was a hard season for a lot of us, but it was a really hard season for me. There was stuff going on here at the church. There was stuff going on in my personal family life. My mom was dealing with her second bout with breast cancer, and it nearly took her life. She spent a lot of time. They sat down with her and said, hey, we just want to prep you before we go through this treatment plan. Here's all the things that could go wrong. They never do all go wrong, but we have to tell you about all these things. Well, almost all of them went wrong for my mother. So in the middle of trying to do all that, I was driving up to Ohio and staying in a hospital with her and trying to care for her. And by God's grace, she's doing fantastic. I just spent the week with her. She's doing wonderful. I was watching her swim in the pool with the grandkids. I was like, thank you, God, for your faithfulness to my mother. It was amazing. For those of you who have continued to ask about my mom, thank you. 
We literally thought she was gonna make it till Christmas two years ago and just God has just turned her life around. So praise God. But moving on, moving on. So in that season, I knew there were things that had to change. I knew that. I, I, love, I love running. I'm just sick like that. Like I bought a treadmill. Who does that? And I actually use it. Like I'm one of those weird people. But in that season, I knew my family needed more of me. I knew the church needed more of me. And I had to put that on hold for a minute while I poured into some other things. I had to seize the season I was in. Now, the season didn't last forever. And it took too long for me to come out of it. It took too long for me to recognize it. But I knew I didn't have the time to do all the things that I wanted to do. And the only way I was going to get through it is to do the things that I had to do. Are you with me? In seasons of stress, whatever that might be for you, in seasons of stress, you need to put more effort and more energy into the 5% that only you can do because nobody else can do them. Are you with me? In seasons of stress, you've got to put extra effort into the 5% only you can do. Now, in your workplace, I don't know exactly what that is. For me, it's like this right here. This is the 5% that I have to do, and I have to do it well. There are other things I can hand off to other people, and, and what I learned actually was there are other people who do other things better than me, and we were better off as a church if I let them do them. And you may find the same thing, but you know what? Nobody else could be a dad to my sons. Nobody else could be a husband to my wife. Better not try anyway. But <laughs> nobody else could be my mom's son. I'm the only son she has. So there are percentages in my life, there are responsibilities that God has placed on me that are mine to care for. And my friend, who I was talking about a few minutes ago, he went to his leadership and was just like, hey, in this season, I need to make these changes and of course, they supported him. He's such a good, hard, faithful worker that to them, it was a no-brainer. Man, we want to keep you for the long run. We want to keep you for the long haul. So see, showing up on Monday ready to do your job and continuing to do that all through the week, it builds credibility so that when seasons of life do happen, you can actually work through them, get through them, and not just survive, but actually thrive because people go, you know, we value you. We don't want to lose what you bring to the team. And that's why it's important that we start this now. We don't wait till then. And all of a sudden it's like, man, I know I haven't given you my best, but I need to take even more away from you to put into these other things right now. And they're going, why in the world would I be okay with that? You don't give us 100% as it is. Do you see how this works? We have to seize the season that we are in. Now, you may be going through a hard time, or maybe not. Perhaps you're just coming out of the summer and you are regretting that school has started, that work has started back up, everything's back in full swing, and maybe you're missing the beach. Anybody else in here missing the beach? All right, yes, okay. Here's the thing. The reality is we have all the time in the world to do everything that God intends for us to do. Did you know that? And here's how I know it. I've said this before, so this isn't new. But here's how I know it, because God is good all the time. 
The problem isn't whether or not there's enough time to do the things that God intends for us to do. The problem is us seizing the season that God has placed us in so that we can be fruitful and effective where we are. We want to do something other than what God has tasked us to do. And so we find ourselves frustrated all the time by what we're not getting to do, like the beach or the mountains or wherever it is you enjoy your vacation. You must accept where you are and accept that you have all the time you need to do everything God has prepared for you to do. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, but I don't have all the time. Then maybe, just maybe, you're trying to live in a different season than the one that God has you in. Or maybe, just maybe, it's a time management issue. I'm not 100% sure. I do know this. I listened to this great sermon by Craig Rochelle, and I'm stealing these stats from him. I'm trusting he did his homework and knows what he's talking about. But, so I want to give him credit because he did the hard work. However, he says this. Did you know that roughly 706 hours per year are spent on social media. Let that sink in for a minute. 706 hours a year. That's four and a half months of working hours. So if you're in a season and you don't feel like you have enough time or effort, can I just make one simple suggestion? Delete social media apps from your phone. One boss in the room said, woo. (laughs) We tried throttling Facebook here at the church for a season. And there just comes a point where it's like, you know what? At the end of the day, we need Facebook. We use Facebook. But it is what it is. That was a different season. Facebook's not as popular as it once was. But just think about that for a minute. Four and a half months. You're sitting there going, well, that's not me. That's somebody else. Just go ahead and allow your phone to track how many hours a day you spend on it. Then go ahead and subtract from that how many of those hours were emails, how many of those hours were something useful on the internet, how many of those hours were whatever, some text to somebody you needed to do, and then figure the rest are social media and just see where you are. That is mind-boggling. But how about this? Maybe that's not your thing. You're like, I can't relate with that illustration. Roughly 2,737 hours per year are spent binge-watching TV and videos on the internet. 2,737. You're like, no, pastor, that's, that's how I replenish myself. <laughs> because everybody feels rested when they go to bed at 2 a.m. Everybody does that, right? Everybody turns the TV off and says, you know what? I feel so good right now. Man, I don't feel at all like I hate half of America. I don't at all feel like I'm exhausted or jealous because I wish I had their love life or I wish I was living that adventure. Oh, man, I just, I feel great. Now, I watch TV. I watch TV late at night, and I cannot wait for them to finish Manifest Season 4 so we can see how it's going to end. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, for the five of you who watch it with me. But the reality is 2,737 hours is a lot of hours, isn't it? How about this one? For those of you who maybe don't connect with that, did you know that the average guy spends 10,000 hours on video games by the time he's 21 years old? Do you know what you could do with 10,000 hours? Again, I borrowed this from Craig Rochelle. He made a fantastic point. If you just made $10 an hour, you would have 100,000 dollars by the time you're 21 years old. Now, what could you do with $100,000? Or 
if you just spent even, I don't know, 10 hours a piece, you could read 1,000 books by the time you're 21 years old. Now, these three things may not be your issue. Perhaps it's physical fitness. There was a guy at one point, um, he was a former alcoholic, and I, I met him, uh, and we would talk, and, and he would hug me after the services, and one day I was like, man, you've got muscles on top of your muscles. Like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm in the best shape of my life, man. I haven't had a drink in six months. I'm like, it's fantastic, praise God. He's like, yeah, and I work out two hours a day in the morning and two hours a day at night, and I was like, man, all you did was trade your alcohol for your fit, physical fitness. Like, I, you look great, you, you, you feel weird. Like, you know, you do the guy hug thing, it's like, what is happening? Like, but, but, man, is that where you need to be putting those hours? Does your family need you? Does your church need you? See, if we were to really sit down and evaluate and seize the season that we're in, we would actually live our lives differently. And when we did, when we did, we might find God's spirit coming alongside of us and saying, I can help you get that one done because you have all the time in the world you need to do everything God intends for you to do. Solomon goes on. He says, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Just slow down for a second because it sounds really depressing. And it is. Again, remember the book of Ecclesiastes is a man who has all this wisdom he's accumulated from a lifetime and he's looking at life under the sun. He's like, what's the point? What's the point? In fact, if you read the rest of Ecclesiastes 3, he says things like, we end up the same as the animals. They die. We die. What's the point? You build and you build and you build and then one day you sell your house that you put 30 years into and the next person buys and goes, oh, these colors are terrible and they repaint the whole thing and they tear out the kitchen and they pull up the carpet. I'm like, this is horrible and they remodel your entire house. Like, why did I spend all that time doing that? Same thing with your business and you sell it to the next one and the next person takes your company and they just mess it all up and you go, what in the world did I pour my life into? And Solomon sees all these things and he's like, what is the point of life? The point of life is to experience God in every single day so that when you run, you literally feel the pleasure of God. And when you work, you feel the pleasure of God. And when you love your spouse, you feel the pleasure of God. And when you care for your children, you feel the pleasure of God. And when you engage in God's world in a good way, you feel the pleasure of God. And life has fulfillment and meaning and purpose. This is why Solomon goes on in verse 11. He says, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And what Solomon's trying to get to is he's building a bigger argument. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, I highly recommend it. But he's trying to get to this idea that everything has a season. And every season is beautiful in its own way. Both the building of your house the first time and the renovating of it the second time, the third time, the fourth time, and also when it got tore down and something else happened with that piece of land, all of it from God's perspective, looking at eternity, is beautiful in its own unique way. So you don't have to be anxious about everything that happened before you. You don't have to be anxious about everything that's going to happen after you. Because there's someone outside of time who's making sure that things are okay in this world. And it doesn't always feel that way, does it? I don't know. Let me just be really clear. I don't know if Jesus is about to return. I don't. I don't know if we are on the brink of a massive world war that would 
signals some sort of end times, tribulation, suffering? I don't know. What I do know with absolute certainty, with absolute certainty, is that nobody except for God the Father knows the day or the hour. And all of us ought to live as if this moment is my last moment. So I need to get my heart and my mind and my life ready to meet him. So what season are you in? What did you sense God telling you right now? What change do you need to make? Do you need to stop doing something? Do you need to start doing something? Because here's a little nugget. Doing the right thing at the right time yields a beautiful sense of fulfillment in this life. Doing the right thing at the right time yields that sense of purpose and meaning and fulfillment that we are all looking for. A few months back, I often call him my pastor. His name is Alan Algram. He was the pastor at my last church, and I was there for 10 years. He was my senior pastor while I was a student pastor and campus pastor before God brought me here. And he still writes like these monthly like blogs where he's just sharing wisdom from books or experiences or life. And he's just, he's so full of wisdom. He's so, I love, I hope he's not listening to this because I don't want him to ever know this, how I feel about him. I'm just kidding. I love him to death. I tell him all the time. I was just on the phone with him, but in this blog, in this blog, he was sharing this challenge. And man, it hit me like a two by four to the head. In this challenge, in this blog, he, he was encouraging the reader to love the people that he serves enough, or she, to do whatever hard thing needs to be done. And I just remember him saying, is God telling you to write a book? Is God telling you to sit down and have a conversation? Is God telling you to um, maybe heal or forgive something you've held bitterness for? Is God telling you perhaps that it's time to let go of something that you've never wanted to let go of? Is God telling you it's time to start a new job or adventure, but you're afraid? Is God telling you it's time to let go of the possibility of new and dig in where you are? And then there was this challenge that to love the people that you have in mind enough to do the hard thing and get up and get it done. And I was convicted in my spirit to love and serve in some ways that I felt like God had put on my heart, but I kept putting off because I'm like, God, I don't have the margin to do that. To which I sense God constantly saying, yes, you do. It's just that you don't want to let go of whatever I had last asked you to do so that you can now be obedient and what I am now asking you to do. And that is so hard for all of us. But life has its most meaning and its most fulfillment when we let go of whatever it was so that we can be where it is. Here's what I'm not saying. I hope this goes without saying, but let me just be clear, because some of you may be really new and you're not sure. I am not saying you get to let go of a commitment you made before God. You don't get to walk away from your spouse and go, I just heard the pastor telling me that that season was over. <laughs> That's not how that works. The Bible doesn't say honor your father and mother unless you want to stop honoring your father and mother. 
I realize that may be challenging. There may be issues for us to work through, but you have to, this is where you can't take any one verse and make it say what you want. You have to take them all together and say, God, I love you. I need you. Help me do the right thing in this season to be obedient to you so that life can have power and meaning. Now, here's the thing. I don't know where all this lands for all of you. I don't know where you come in here today, refreshed, excited, can't wait for tomorrow. Maybe you're going through a really hard season. You need the presence of God. But I want you to be encouraged by this. Paul senses this in all of us. And here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, we, the reason we gather on Sundays is because God fills us up. He takes what feels like an empty jar and pours himself back into us and we go back into the world filled with God and his presence on cloud nine. His word has encouraged us and challenged us and spoken to us and the people of God have encouraged us and challenged us and spoken to us. And so we're ready to go out and now comfort others with the same comfort that God has given to us. And perhaps this message isn't just for you, but perhaps it's for your coworkers. Perhaps it's for your family. Perhaps it's for someone else and you need to pull out your phone and text them and say, God just gave me a word for you. So be comforted in the ways that I've been comforted. And that's the season that you're finding yourself in. All right, here's where Solomon kind of concludes for our time today. You can keep going on your own, but he says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find a satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. This is the gift of God. So what I wanna do as I close out this series for us today is I wanna pray that gift over you. I wanna offer you a blessing. And when I offer you this blessing, my hope is that God will fulfill these words in your life. And we're just going to pray this back to God. That we will find satisfaction in all of our toil for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, whatever season we're in, it might be a season of excitement and resources and building and taking off. It might be a season of lack and of need and of getting on our face and our hands and crying out for you to meet us. It might be a season of great and profound health. It might be a season of pain, bad diagnoses and heartache. It might be a season of death recently in our loved ones or perhaps some of us have a little baby recently come into our family. That God, wherever we are, in the highs and the lows and the struggles, God, we want to be a church who goes through it together. We want to grieve with those who grieve, mourn with those who mourn, and celebrate with those who celebrate. We want to be that kind of church. So birth in us something beautiful, God. Allow us to do that. And my prayer for every man and woman in this room, every young and old man or woman, adult, child, it doesn't matter, God, is that you would help us to find the satisfaction in our toil whether it's toiling in our house or toiling in our families or toiling in our work, whatever it might be, God, may we find satisfaction and fulfillment from you meeting us there and us accepting where you've placed us and what you've called us to do right here, right now. And may we walk out of here today full of contentment on your earth. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you next week.